book one chapter three of st francis of assisi a biography by johannes jorensen translated by thomas o'connor sloan this librivox recording is in the public domain book one francis the church builder chapter three history of the epic francis grew up in warlike times emperor was opposed to pope prince to king village was against village and burgher against noble francis was but a child when frederick barbarossa at the peace of constance june twenty fifth eleven eighty three to eleven ninety six had to grant the lombardy states all the privileges which they supported by the power of the papacy had conquered for themselves in the battle of legnano eleven seventy six barbarossa's successor henry the sixth eleven eighty three to eleven ninety six meanwhile made the imperial power firm once more in italy and assisi which already in eleven seventy four had been taken by the german royal chancellor archbishop christian of mayence but which in eleven seventy seven had won its communal freedom with its own consuls had to waive its municipal privileges and bow under the imperial duke of spoleto and count of assisi conrad of erslingen a year after the death of king henry innocent the third ascended the papal throne and this powerful prince of the church immediately took the affairs of the italian states into his own strong hand duke conrad had to go to narni and submit himself to the pope and his absence was at once utilized by the citizens for an assault by storm on the zwingberg guarding castle which threatening the city was enthroned on the top of santo rosso the castle was taken and so thoroughly laid waste that when the papal emissary came to take possession of it as property of peter there was only a ruin left the same which still looks down upon assisi and to be prepared to take the consequences of this daring act the citizens determined to erect a wall around their city with spirit all went to work and in the course of an incredibly short time the people of assisi built the city wall with towers which even today has an imposing effect upon the visitor at this time francis was about seventeen years old and as sabatier says it is not unreasonable to suppose that on this occasion he acquired that ability in handling stone and mortar which later stood him in good stead at san damiano and portiuncula naturally the greatest part of the work both of tearing down and building up was done by the lower people minores as it was the universal custom to call them the common people thus realized their power and after overcoming the foreign foe the tyrannical german they turned their attention to the foe at home the minor tyrants the noble lords whose fortified residences as later the steens in the flemish cities stood here and there in the village a real civil war broke out the nobles houses were besieged many of them were burned and the fall of the nobility seemed inevitable then the nobles of assisi turned in their need to assisi's former enemy the neighboring and powerful perugia 
ambassadors from assisi's nobility promised to recognize perugia's supremacy over the city whenever she could come to their assistance the republic of perugia then stood at the summit of its power and greatness and eagerly seized the opportunity to reduce assisi to subjection its army advanced into the field to the relief of the besieged nobility the citizens of assisi did not lose courage together with such of the nobility as had remained true to their ancestral city they met the troops of perugia at the bridge of san giovanni on the plain between the two cities victory fell to the perugians and a quantity of the combatants of assisi were taken prisoners among them also francis on account of his noble appearance the young merchant's son was not put in prison with the rest of the citizens but just as the laws of many old french cities provide for les bourgeois en robe he received permission to share the lot of the nobility the defeat at ponte san giovanni took place in the year twelve o two the imprisonment in perugia lasted a year and during it francis astounded his fellow prisoners by his constant cheerfulness although there seemed little reason to be contented he was always to be heard singing and joking and when the others peevishly or angrily rebuked him he answered only do you not know that a great future awaits me and that all the world shall then fall down and pray to me this is the first expression of his firm conviction of his future the definite certainty that a great future belonged to him which is so remarkable in st francis in these years of his youth in november twelve o three peace was declared between the two contending powers the conditions were that the citizens of assisi should repair the damage they had done to the property of the nobles and that the nobles should on their part not be free to enter into any alliance without permission of the city francis was now liberated with the other prisoners among whom he who had formerly been an apostle of happiness now assumed the role of peacemaker for there was among the prisoner warriors one who on account of his pride and unreasonableness was very unpopular with all instead of avoiding this difficult character francis undertook to be in his company and went so far in this direction during the time of captivity that the ill-humoured unreasonable prisoner changed and was received into the circle of his companions whence he had exiled himself the long intercourse with the noble prisoners seems to have affected the young merchant's heart with a greater attachment to the ways of life of the nobility than ever which in the years following the imprisonment twelve o three to twelve o six became very evident in him it was now that he became a disciple of the gay science of provence it was now that he submerged himself in the whirl of festivities and enjoyments out of which his sickness which in his twenty-third year brought him so near to the portals of death was first to rescue him and even at that not too securely end of book one chapter three